Hello and welcome to the Healthy Entrepreneur Club podcast. My name is Freddie Pullen and today we are lucky enough to be joined by the founders of the Wellness Theory, Charlotte and Jonathan. The Wellness Theory is an award-winning wellness platform based here in the UAE, specializing in stress relief. Having spent the last 35 years in coaching high performers to eliminate unhealthy stress, the Wellness Theory team moved purpose-driven leaders and organizations in the GCC from surviving to thriving by helping them overcome burnout, anxiety, and overwhelm for themselves and their teams. They see a future where both individuals and organizations are healthy and well, so they can be a force for good in the world. Charlotte and Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Very well, thank you for asking. Thanks for having us. Great to have you on here. I want to jump in with a big one. We just heard your extensive uh, bio and experience there. I want to start with, uh, with why wellness? What got you into the wellness industry? Well, for, for me, I was, I was always interested in the health and fitness industry from a, um, kind of from a young age. I started in martial arts. That really kicked it off into changing what I wanted to do from working with computers to working in fitness, in health and fitness. Um, so for me, I started working in gyms and pretty much lived in gyms most of my adult life uh, working as fitness instructors personal trainer into management um, into different positions different companies um and i love the whole idea of being able to uh, like the exercise the nutrition changing your body helping helping people as well with their goals and i think the first half of my career was spent around the physical side of wellness um, because i didn't know anything else all i knew was nutrition and exercise and um, that was a huge part of my journey. So my thought process was whatever was going on in your life, it can be solved through nutrition and exercise. That was the key. <laughs> um, it took me a while to realize that that's a very small part of the bigger picture. Um, and it took me going through immense amounts of my own suffering and pain um, through killing myself in the gym, being extremely strict, with how I ate to the point where I'd sacrifice uh, my social life, my relationships. Um, to, uh, I'll, I'll literally just say, no, I can't go out because I can't control what I'm eating. So I have to sacrifice everything and just focus on my exercise and my nutrition. And that got so anal and to the point where all I would do would, would be work, train, eat. That was literally it for probably close to a decade. Um, and I would sometimes be in the gym two, uh, twice a day, sometimes six to seven times a week. And I would be kidding myself trying to get these goals of what I think someone working in the health and fitness injury should look like. They should train all the time. They should have a six pack. They should look like they train. They should be like cover model ready. Um, and I killed myself getting there. And at the same time, working 16, 70, 17 hours a day, um, I was placing so much stress on my body um and i was and then I, I started to develop a lot of pain a lot of um a lot of exhaustion a lot of fatigue and i thought my way out of that was to train more i need to eat better and train more so i was like just doubling up on my efforts i think okay this is, is i'm supposed to feel better by exercising i'm supposed to feel better by eating well and i'm not i'm exhausted all the time i'm angry all the time i'm feeling like rubbish so why is it not working so what's my solution do more and it took me to a point of experiencing chronic pain for me. So I, I had chronic pain in my back um, that used to radiate up my spine um, into my head, into the, into the front of, of my eyes, and it would actually uh, get blurry vision. Um, so I, I got so bad to the point where I had to, I couldn't train as hard anymore. I couldn't work as effectively anymore. So I had to really cut back on a lot of things. Um, I tried every physical fix under the sun. Uh, chiropractors, physios, medication, injections directly into my spine, um, all having a very short-term relief. Um, and it took, I think it was probably about the, close to that 10-year mark. So I had a chronic pain for four years out of those 10 years. Um, and it was close to that time where I, I started to get fed up with being in pain. I started to get tired of being tired and fed up of being exhausted all the time. So I asked myself, there's got to be an easier way. Nothing's working. Um, there's got to be something that I can do. And that's when I started to become more open to a different way of looking at things, a more holistic approach. Um, I wasn't completely open to it. I was still used to think whole 
like yoga, breath work, meditation was all very woo woo and like pointless. Um, but I was desperate. <laughs> I was desperate to get rid of the pain. I was desperate to to live a life that didn't feel so hard. Um, and then that's when I started getting into more meditation. I didn't really get on with guided meditation first, so I found breath work. Um, I think for me that was because it was more physical. Um, it, it I connected with it more. Um, and then I started doing breath work and getting more involved in that. And what I started to realize that my problem wasn't a physical issue. The pain I was experiencing, the exhaustion I was experiencing wasn't a physical problem. It's all related back to, well, now I know this, but back then I didn't. It was back to a lot of stored emotional issues I wasn't dealing with at that time because I had no idea what emotions were. I didn't know what I was feeling. I didn't know how I was feeling except for anger. That was my That was my go-to emotion. I used to have the nickname of the Hulk um, by my employee, uh, by people I used to work with. Because I, yeah, <laughs> I used to see that. And every second, anything would trigger me. Um, and I used to, I used to, I used to love that identity. I used to really, really into that. People call me the Hulk, angry person. Yeah, that's, that's me. And I've gone right into that identity for years. Um, and it was when I started to tap into breath work and start to uh, really connect mind and body. Um, I started to feel the shift and the shift was I started to feel calmer. I started to feel more relaxed. I started to be able to understand how I was feeling. Um, and I remember after doing, there's a specific breathing exercise, retention breathing that I used to do. Um, I used to combine that with, um, some visualization work and it was about two weeks of doing it every single day, 20 minutes a day that I stood up from one session and I just noticed something was different, but I didn't know what. It took me about a minute to realize that the chronic pain I was experiencing for four years had completely disappeared. Um, and I, I literally had, I didn't even know what to do. I was just kind of moving and I was like, what? I, I have no pain. I, I even went to the kitchen. So I said, my pain's gone. I've got no more pain. And that was the first kind of light bulb moment for me was realizing that, ah, okay. The be all and end all of health and wellness and fitness is not, exercise and nutrition there's more to it than that and that's when i started digging more into the emotional the the, the mental side of, of wellness and start to realize that wellness is an integrated um, system it's like one doesn't work without the other you can't have good mental health while having poor emotional physical health and vice versa everything is connected and, and influences each other um, and that's why i kind of switched from being focused a lot on the physical aspect of nutrition and um and exercise into more the energetic side of wellness physical like uh, is being able to change our state being able to release and get energy flowing again to be able to balance our well our whole kind of holistic body from a mental physical emotional and energetic um, standpoint so for me that's that connection going from health and fitness to wellness was that is that is that shift in myself of being able to actually heal myself from the pain I was experiencing for so many years to realizing that oh okay there is a bigger picture here there is more aspects to wellness than just exercise and nutrition I think that is you've unpacked a lot there and that's really really interesting because actually it's such a relatable story right you're in a very alpha environment where it was all about how you looked and the strength and maybe wellness was was shunned upon as as is the case in a lot of companies still in the in the in the UAE and also in, in the UK where you, you think wellness is something that's going to be a bit fluffy and and you know unpacking there that you almost found wellness through necessity if I if I could say but it was through the pain and necessity that you come across a, another option and it turns out that it works so that is that's an incredible story it's a very relatable story for many as an as an origin story um incredible it, and this is the first time as well just to say that we've done two people on a podcast right so i'm very aware <laughs> that for our listeners here jonathan's just spoken charlotte is also here so whilst i'd love to unpack that further, let's go into let's go into charlotte as well and let's try and mix them together as a sort of a a, a mass of expertise yeah definitely i'll give you a short version to be honest, it's not too dissimilar to, to Jonathan's journey in terms of how we landed into wellness. Um, but for me, so I was raised in quite a turbulent household, but I was always kind of finding a bit of an outlet through sport and through movement and things like that. 
And I remember going to um, an event in the UK. They have like the cancer research runs that happen like in the local park and everybody comes together. They run a distance and like there's just a really nice vibe. And I just I was fascinated, but I'd never experienced that level of just emotion and pride and, and sense of awe over how just fitness can create such a positive ripple effect. And that really stuck with me. And that moved me immediately into the fitness industry. And um, so since the age of 16, I've been working in, in this, this space and, and really understanding like what makes us tick as human beings. So obviously there was like the, the fitness side of things and kind of went through being a trainer and all that side of things. And I worked my way up the ranks through kind of different management positions, different leadership positions to the point of um, becoming like a national manager across the GCC um, and leading over like a thousand people is no small feat across five different countries and it was something that on the journey to and when I got to that position it just got me to a point of absolute burnout and it was at that point I think it really took me down the mental health route and the emotional well-being route so I'd always been really interested in the psychology and performance and like um, mindset and, and how do we get the best out of our people but then there was this whole other avenue that I hadn't yet explored. And I think hitting that point of burnout to the point of rock bottom, like literally not seeing a future for myself, um, really struggling emotionally, um, relationships were were taught, and it was just really, really dark experience. And a big part of that was essentially some of my past catching up with me. So I mentioned like a turbulent upbringing. I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't actually pause at some point in our life and be reflective of how our conditioning affects the way we show up today. And I truly believe that if we can really get to the root cause of a lot of the issues that we're facing, yes, we need to pay attention to things like self-care. Yes, we need to pay attention to our environments, but we need to look at what's going on in our internal environment and really, really explore what's going on so that when we are in those more challenging, high-pressure situations, whether it be in work or in personal life or somewhere else, we don't crash as hard. And I and I feel like I crashed hard and then some with everything kind of coming to the surface. And that was it for me. I was down the rabbit hole, um, learning anything and everything I could find, working with some of the best teachers um, in this field. And that was it, wasn't it for me? It was just the case of, right, I'm running with this. So I ended up leaving that kind of corporate world and then that's kind of where our journey began together wasn't it yes it was it started to kind of marry up both both our skill sets together to create what we're doing now yeah. just thinking why why try to kind of become a jack of all trades and just take both of our expertise put them together and create that holistic approach wow i mean i'm god's back what an, what an answer to that first question of, of why wellness you don't, you don't often get an answer where it's like We've both been to the absolute worst place you can be and then come through it and find a solution. And now we're implementing that solution to solve that pain, you know, in a country that, that really needs it. That's probably, I think it's the best answer I've had to that question out of all the episodes you've had. That's amazing. So I want to go into, there you go, you got the, the accolade straight away. What a start. Um, I want to go into, um, I want to really touch on the, the, the catalyst, right, for people um, suffering at the moment. So, you know, you've both been to that place where there was no other option. It was almost necessity. You were like, what, how can I help myself out of this? How do you think people should get to, you know, get to that good place now by being proactive? How do they understand their well-being? What's the first thing they can start to do to be like, right, I need to, to put some measures in place before I go to burnout or, or worse? So this is one of the reasons why we do what we do and we specialize in stress relief, right? Is because one of the things that we'd seen out of all of our years is that stress is the one thing that everybody has in common, but it's also the one thing that will either push you in a good way, in a healthy way or in an unhealthy way. So if we can start paying attention to our stresses and the things that actually really do trigger us or throw us out of our rhythm, then we can immediately start to prevent um uh, long-term stress like day-to-day -day stress becoming long-term stress 
right? So we, we talk about something called stress stacking, which is where we literally stack up stress, like one stressful thing after another, and we just keep it and basically store that energy. All those stressful situations, we store it in our body, in our minds, and it then informs the way we behave in other areas of our lives. And the thing is, if we don't address that compounded stress, it becomes distress. And if we then don't take care of that distress, it then becomes a mental health issue. So if we can catch it when we start to notice these things, then we can actually start to do something about it sooner rather than later. So we do what we do so that people don't have to get to that point. That's the exact reason why we actually um, launched the wellness theory was, was because we, we want to help people. We do give people the tools that we wish we'd had in those earlier days so they can not go down that rabbit hole. That's amazing. So what's one of the things that someone could look out for you know, in, in a, in a job or, or their life in general that, that says I'm starting to get stressed. Some of us can, some of us can feel stress. Some people can tell us that we're you're getting a bit stressed. But you know, what if you have those 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 nets to help you? What is something you could be like? Right, this is this is uh, this is getting bad now. Yeah. So one of one of the biggest things that we can all learn to do is become more aware of what's triggering us, what where our stresses are coming from, and how we're feeling. Um, for me, that was the same for a lot of our clients. It's the same as that level of awareness is like half the battle, just knowing what's happening and understanding what's happening. So becoming aware of how you feel, like stress shows up differently for everyone. It could be sweaty palms, it could be heart rate, it could be um, the inability to be able to actually speak, get get your words out. It could be paralysis, where you literally, you, you can't do anything. And to the point where... You, you could go to the other end of snapping at loved ones or colleagues at work. Is There's loads of different triggers to look out for, but it's, it's it comes in a, in a very unresourceful way. So especially on a, in a work setting, for example, one of, a very common thing to look out for is if you're getting triggered by certain people, colleagues um, or customers or whatever, whatever, your, whatever your industry is, and you're not really sure why, um, you, someone talks to you and instantly you feel your this anger rising, this, your temper, your body temperature rising, and you're not really sure to understand why. That's that's a, that's a clear sign that you're under stress and there's something deeper going on inside of why that's affecting you. Um, and that's, that's that's something to become aware of as well. Of um, because, and we because we don't understand it a lot of the time, and we just think that it's the, it's the other person that's the problem. Um, and that's what we stick with. That's the story we tell ourselves because we don't actually know what we're feeling and why. On that awareness point, so we one of the methodologies that we use with our clients and with anyone that comes to work with us is we have something called the stress awareness pyramid. If you can imagine the pyramid and the base of the pyramid is what we call the root level, the center is called the health level, and the tip is our life level. And the life level is essentially all of our kind of life areas, right? So our work, our relationships, um, our finances, our um, fitness, um, all of those different areas of life. Then that middle level is like lifestyle health, right? It's our nutrition, it's our breathing, it's our quality of thinking and a few other factors in the mix there, which we could dive into any of these if you want to. Um, and then we have that root level, which is more that past conditioning that I referred to earlier. And when people are experiencing something in one of those life areas, so let's say stress, uh, sorry, let's say work, for example, um, they will be experiencing that at the very tip of the iceberg. And then we want to, backtrack to that and ask like Jonathan said why is it because I didn't sleep well is it because I'm jet lagged is it because I um, am I haven't eaten today right is it because actually I'm holding on to my emotion from a conversation that I had with my partner last night and now I'm taking out on this person at work that would be addressing it at that health level make you question it but then you can go another layer deeper and be like okay what is happening within me that could be linked to something deeper into my subconscious that could be triggering me at this point so that stress awareness pyramid really acts as a, a bit of a, a map for people to be able to be like okay this is where i'm feeling it this is what could be affecting it what's true for me essentially you literally both touched on points that resonate massively with me right so I'm a, I'm quite a very laid back, chilled out person. I don't easily get uh, stressed or upset. But if I'm tired or I can, you've touched on jet lag there, I was speaking before before we started recording. I've been quite jet lag this week. I can feel that stress, and for me, it always builds up in frustration. 
where you know you feel that you feel inside you be like i'm so frustrated in if someone's talking to you and they're not doing what you say or they don't understand what you're talking about i just feel myself getting frustrated i can always stop it before i snap but it always it always feels you know that warm feeling where you, where you know what's happening and i think you know from speaking to you over the last few months that awareness is is massive and then going back like you say to the triggers or what it actually came from and you know i was getting stressed this week and i was saying to myself what what's happened and i realized i'm jet lagged you know i'm like five or six hours behind i'm therefore not eating i'm training in the gym but probably not shouldn't be because it's too much i've had a busy week last week and it's but it's building that pyramid of understanding which is so important and i'd love to touch on how, how should we be spending a time on our awareness daily what are your what are your tips there should we be constantly thinking about how our body and our mind is is coping you sort of a dip test in the oil every day of our minds or should it be less often than that to, to avoid the stress of being like, oh, I'm getting a bit stressed? What, what's your advice around that? I'll let you share your thoughts first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know where I'm going to go with it, that's yeah. why. Well, um, every, again, everyone's different. Um, and I think that's that's the key. There's no one set way, no generic thing for people to, okay, do this and you're going to, you're just going to change your life type of thing. You've got to find what works for you. Um, like for me, Starting, I, I literally started with probably just less than five minutes a day of just sitting, trying to sit in stillness and be with myself, which was extremely difficult. I, at the start, I really struggled um, in terms of, because my, my mind would go off in many different directions with work, with whatever's going on. And I struggled just to be still and kind of focus on what, and just listen to what my body was telling me. Um, over time, that developed where I could do it for half an hour and I could sit and understand how I was feeling, what I was feeling. But it took time, it took practice. Whereas I know some people can't even sit down for two seconds. Um, so they, they, they need another way of doing it. They might need to, they might need to write things down. They might speak to someone. There, there's different ways of doing it. But for me, I, I always say, if, you if you're able to sit with yourself, even just for a couple of minutes in silence, that's like one of the hardest things to do nowadays with how busy everybody is and how you know, kind of lack of attention span is if we can just do it for a couple of minutes per day to start practicing with, it really helps to bring our focus back into ourselves and stop placing our focus out um, into the external. I would say, I would definitely agree with what Jonathan said there. It's like different strokes for different folks, right? So you're going to find things that resonate and things that don't. I am a massive advocate for journaling on a daily basis. It's something that's been extremely powerful for me. And it's one of, I would say, probably like the highest return on efforts for the clients and the people that we've worked with, where they see the biggest um, like uh, differences in their progress because they are actually looking at it every day. And I mentioned earlier something like stress stacking where we're literally collecting those rocks of stress and those emotions every single day. If we're not pausing to discharge that emotion or at least understand it and see what role that's playing in our lives, it will add up. And it will add up to the point of chronic stress in Jonathan's example, burnout in my example. And it's something that I think the more frequently you can check in, the better. So just having a simple like um, stressometer in every day of, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how stressed were you? Or, or just ask yourself, what in, what were my dominant emotions today? And scaling them on a scale of one to 10 can help you to start identifying patterns. And that's where you can then start to create real lasting change because you get to actually go into the detail. Journaling is not something that I've tried. Um, I, I know I should do it. I will start it. Um, I, I can see the benefits. My fiance has been doing it for two or three years. And it has that secondary benefit of the way that she does it. It's sort of, stack the top on top of each other so you've got the same thought from the day last year and the year before so it almost gives you that secondary benefit of how much you're doing in your life where you were a year ago what those problems are that now don't affect you at all and so i you know i can see how you're talking about it to go forward and understand yourself but also having that retrospect to look back and grow from where you've been i think yeah it's something that i will start it's, you know, i'll start today it's brilliant i'll start today and the, the other words touch as well on what you said jonathan about you know, sitting with yourself again, meditation. I've, I've barely started it. Like five minutes a day is is a lot. And the way I started it really was through trying to stop technology. So when you go out for a dinner with someone or coffee or whatever, when they go to the toilet, inevitably, or they go and order, don't pick your phone up. Just try and sit with yourself. And I think that is well. My next question is around technology. How do you think technology has affected 
people's wellness in general and also their attention span to be able to I can see it. You're, you're both rolling your eyes here. This is a, this is a big one. <laughs> it's a great question because there are pros and cons when you're talking about this type of thing because technology is only going to get bigger. It's not going anywhere. And it can assist in your wellness journey massively. But it can also be a huge detriment if you're not aware of why you're using it and what you're using it for. Um, so it's like, well, you know, like the average attention span of, um, of people has dropped dramatically um, over the last few decades. It's officially it's, less than a goldfish. Yeah, it's uh, that's this is why, why this is why you look on most um, social media platforms and videos people put an hour, like five seconds, three seconds, two seconds, because attention span is so low. We don't we're constantly just scrolling through stuff because just trying to find that little dopamine hit um that, that we're looking for like me i know when i'm when i'm tired um i'm hungry or something and i am i don't have the brain power in that moment to do anything resourceful i'll go on instagram and i'll look at um videos of dogs and puppies <laughs> it gives me if you look at his explore profile yeah because really yeah, it gives me that instant dopamine hit it's like oh i feel, I feel better now but it's it's one of those things where so, there's so much amazing content out there to help you grow as an individual or as a couple or as a business, but you need to be aware of why you're using it for what you're using for and when you're using it as well. Um, we need to be the gatekeeper, yeah. right? We have to be the gatekeeper in our lives full stop whether it be technology or obviously we're thinking predominantly social media yeah. right that obviously is having a massive effect on mental health yes. and our ability to connect which obviously really makes stress become even bigger and um, self-esteem is dropping our ability to actually be able to connect with other people is really suffering and that's one of our core foundational needs so that's having a massive effect on us as human beings um undeniably so and the the piece around like technology in general away from social media just technology like you can use it to amplify your well-being drastically we use so many things in our lifestyle to help us optimize our well-being and like for example one of the things is like the aura ring which i'm wearing now um i probably never paid as much attention to my sleep until i got the aura ring because i actually love looking at the data i actually love seeing what the patterns are and i've really enjoyed that so i've optimized my sleep just through looking at the data and i wasn't really a data-driven person at all and it's really added another element to to how i look after myself and that's just sleep as one of the factors there's so many ways you can leverage technology for those who don't know including me what's an aura ring ah good question so an aura yeah. ring is basically a ring that tracks your sleep so it attracts your sleep it will track your hrv which is your heart rate variability that is really really good to monitor if you're somebody that gets very stressed because you can start to see patterns you can see perhaps what's triggering your nervous system to go out of whack um it also tracks your steps and activity levels as well and i think there's probably some more features on there that um yeah yeah but it's it's great it's an app kind of thing like it's looking like a roof band kind of or a garmin but on a ring yeah yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. there's a yeah they're one of the first ones out and there's a lot more companies now doing the same thing yeah. they're seeing the importance of data-driven wellness yeah. um, of being able to see what's working what's not and to see that that in black and white that improvement one of the great things about Aura and one of the things I've enjoyed is it gives you a readiness score every day. And I'm pretty sure other tech things do the same thing. I think even Fitbit does that now too. Um, but it will tell you, take it easy today. Based on how you slept last night and your activity levels, have a rest. And I am somebody that needs to be told to have a rest because I will go, go, go. So for me to see that, it's almost like permission to be like, okay, I can do something lighter today or I can even have a day off. Yeah. Like, wow, what a treat. And, and it's really helped to like flip my mindset around certain things. And, I, and again, same for clients and um, the HRV piece on that is like, it's one of the best ways to track stress. So when clients come and work with us, they end up with some kind of device if it's relevant for that person where we can see real time the data of what they're experiencing so that we can obviously help them accordingly depending on where they are in that stress pyramid 
Wow, that's incredible. That's a really good segue into how technology is actually benefiting us as well, right? I, I, I don't have that kind of thing. I, I use a Garmin watch, but it's more for my fitness. So it's the amount of steps I do a day, like if I do workouts, and then it does your sleep as well, but probably not for the same accuracy as what you're talking about there. I, 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 you know, to your point, Charlotte, I think I have, I am quite data-driven. Like I like to use things like my fitness power and look at my steps and you know how hard was my heart working during that jog or whatever. And that's what drives me, but that's because it's very tangible, isn't it? So I'm going to use that as a segue into where you got a lot of your experience from. I know you've, you know, you've traveled a lot. You've studied a lot of different wellness arts from different countries. Where, where is somewhere you've been that's somewhere where you've picked up, you know, some of the best wellness trip tips and tricks, try saying that tips and tricks. That was difficult. Um, where they haven't got as much technology. Cause I guess those are the kind of places where actually wellness is doing the, the best in some regards. Not necessarily. Yeah. A lot of it's come from lots of different countries and different places. And we've gone out and found it in these random places rather than like us just coming across yeah, it, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Because there's so many, like if you go to the countries where wellness tech is like growing massively, you've got the other side of the coin as well, where the reason it's growing so massively is because the amount of issues population is facing with obesity, with sleep issues, stress, depression, so the companies are trying to solve that problem from a tech issue. Um, but like we mentioned earlier, one of the key things to think about when we come back to that stress pyramid is the root of why you're stressed in the first place, why you're experiencing what you're experiencing. Tech can help you understand to a certain point and help. Um, think, think of tech basically like supplements. If you're living off a, uh, off a diet of processed foods, sugars, and rubbish, and you're training in the gym and you're taking supplements, you're pretty much throwing money down the drain. But if you've got a healthy, balanced diet and you're adding supplements on top, it gives you that extra like 1%. It gives you an extra boost. And that's pretty much what tech does is it helps you to understand what's going on. But if you want to leverage it to, to really optimize your wellness, you need to actually take that data and you need to then put the practices in to help improve your wellness because wearing tech alone is not going to improve your wellness. It gives you data, it helps you understand, but you have to take the action to put to put those those steps in place to actually improve your wellness. So if you're wearing an aura ring and you know that my sleep's being affected, I'm, I'm, my sleep times are all over the place, I'm waking up groggy, I'm feeling um, brain foggy, I feel like rubbish, um, and you've got that data showing that uh, it's because you're you're not sleeping at the, at consistent times every night. And if you're then not thinking, okay, I need to now put some sort of routine in while I go to bed at the same time every night, it will take 30 minutes. Then you're pretty much just throwing money down the drain again because you've got the data, but you're not doing anything. You're not taking action. And it's so important to combine those two because data without action or a plan in place is pointless. It's just, it's just great looking at something going, great, okay, I know what's going on now, but I'm going to carry on doing what I've been doing. And I think it's, it's, I love what you just said there about the, it being like a supplement to our lives because it's so easy for us to lose the, the fact that we actually are our own greatest technology and we actually can all check in with ourselves. We don't need a ring no. to tell us how we slept. We don't need something to tell us how many steps we did that day. Not really, you know. We know if we feel energised, we know if we feel healthy. So it's really important to take the, the data and the technology as a supplement remembering that you are like the alpha tech in your life yeah i, I love that i think the supplements to your, your life is, is brilliant is there someone that you've been in the world that you think you know regardless of tech put that to one side you know somewhere that where they probably don't have that but, you know where you've seen some wellness activities or or mantras that you think we can really bring this and help people in the in the western world for example using these methodologies is this is that something that comes to mind like a, a country or a place or a town that you've been to I think it's the it's if you look at Southeast Asia as a whole, they okay. they've got it basically when it comes to that because it comes back to basics. Like we lived in Thailand for two years. We lived on the beach. Like our tech was limited to a phone phone and a laptop. Every day we were out on the beach, we we're grounding in within nature. Literally, we we were connecting with nature. We were basically feeding the sun, the air, fresh air eating fresh foods and that were caught locally like in the city just just out of our front door and now when we're back in Abu Dhabi because we live nine floors up in a in an apartment building we have to utilize tech even more to be able to 
keep that connection. So we use stuff like grounding mats, air purifiers, um, obviously the aura rings, um, mineralized water, uh, stuff like to, to to make sure that we're still getting those benefits that that we can't that aren't readily available to us as we had in Thailand. So the Southeast Asia really has that down when it comes to that that simpler more stress-free way of living when it's, it's all about bringing everything back to basics is connecting with nature at every opportunity is feeding your body with natural wholesome um nu nutritious uh food and and connecting to each other yeah that's a massive piece that i think we're losing touch on in other parts of the world is you know in, in thailand it was so easy you would get to know pretty much everyone pretty much straight away because everybody's just so open and it's just a different kind of lifestyle but coming back to Abu Dhabi like Jonathan said you know we're nine floors up everyone's living in their little box within this building and it's like you barely get a hello unless you're the person that's initiating and it's really interesting to see that dynamic as well so I think not only coming back to nature itself but remembering we are nature and we can connect with each other as well I think is a massive piece of wellness that's that's missing um in some of the cities let's say I think that's an amazing piece to touch on because I completely agree. A lot of it is the educational piece, isn't it? And actually thinking about thinking about it and coming across it first and then being proactive. And you touched on it really nicely there. My next thing I want to talk about really was was the UAE. You know, you're doing a lot of work in the UAE. You know, you're well known for, for the wellness side. What do you think the state of wellness in the UAE is in general? Well, the, one of the latest, latest statistics that came out um, literally 2022 was that 98% of people in the UAE are experiencing at least one symptom of burnout. So that, I think, says a lot <laughs> um, for how we're doing, right? Because essentially burnout happens when we lose sight of basic wellness scope of practice, right? And I think... We, we're seeing it right it's, it's, i'm so happy to see it's coming more to the forefront of the conversation but how it's changed so we first came to the to the uae in 2013 um and the level of awareness of what is healthy and what is not has changed drastically i remember being we was in a uh, we went to a company in abu dhabi obviously i won't share who and we had about 100 people in the room and it was like more of a like a, a fitness and uh, nutrition kind of day so it's like okay let's talk to these guys about some nutrition i'm like right hands up if you think you've got the healthiest diet in the room right so, so all of a sudden everyone's like he's got the high he's got the best nutrition he's got the best nutrition pointing at the ceo of the company and the ceo proudly puts his hand up right and i'm like okay this is going to be good what a great example everybody clearly thinks he's like the healthiest guy in the room and then I was like, okay, give us an example. What's the, what's a typical day for you? And it was shocking. So he skipped breakfast. This was before anyone really knew about intermittent fasting and was doing it consciously. So he skipped breakfast, coffee only. Um, it was a Subway for lunch. And then it was like a McDonald's for dinner, no, KFC for dinner. Um, and I was like, okay. And I'd only been in the country for about three or four weeks, I believe, at that time. And I was just like, okay, we've got some work to do. <laughs> um, but fortunately, we're not at that level yeah. anymore. You know, this is now 10 years later. So the the consciousness and the awareness around well-being is definitely improved. Uh, but I think there's a lot more pressure. And obviously the pandemic has played a massive role in it as well. So I think we're about to see a massive spike in wellness and well-being, I believe. Uh, but it's um, it's not looking good at the moment, to be honest still very new yeah it, it does feel quite new we've done some um some work in the last couple of months and surveyed hundreds and hundreds of people in in dubai and 71 said they were uninspired by the place and didn't feel well here in terms of you know them themselves not necessarily physically unwell but that to me is incredible because this is a place i think you come to because it's inspiring and the lifestyle you think you can have a better a better journey and that kind of figure is is massive and then to move on from that, we've obviously in our in, in our work, we speak to a lot of HR, and we've had we've had conversations with HR professionals in big companies who have said we don't want anything to do with you know the, the environment specifically helping with with wellness or we're not interested in wellness or there's no budget for wellness in our company. And I, it's one of those things that I just can't quite believe, and, and I think you're completely right, and it's going to change very drastically soon. There's a lot of five year goals and and people behind it. Um, do you think from your experience that the UAE is 
far behind the UK? Or do you think the UK is is not as high up there in terms of wellness as, as people think? No, I, I think it's, it's mirrored quite evenly, I think. And to be honest, I think the, the wonderful thing about the UAE is we like it to be this shiny, wonderful, attractive place to come. So therefore, sometimes the data gets skewed and things like that, unless you're putting your own data. Whereas the UAE, I think, comes up against slightly different challenges. But I think if we really took all of that into account, it would land in a similar ballpark. What, what, what... Oh, absolutely. It's like, I think the UK has had more access and education around wellness for a longer time, which then begs the question is, why are we still in the position that they're in? Um, whereas UAE is still relatively new as a country, but also what's what's happening in the country. Like when we were here, uh, basically there was no such thing as breath work sessions, ice baths, cold therapy, stuff like that. It was, it was very hard to find. There was like one or two retreats here and there, which were mainly yoga retreats. But now coming back, like it's blowing up like um like in dubai alone there's probably about five or six places around dubai where you can do breathwork ice bath sessions there's like retreats happening every every other weekend um so it is getting bigger but the education still needs to be there um, because we are in a desert effectively and if you're in a city you're in a concrete jungle as well so nature when it comes to really connecting with that um is not as convenient to be in as if you're in the UK or if you're in Thailand or somewhere else. So you really do have to be conscious um, and educated to understand to know how can you implement wellness practices effectively somewhere like here. Um, and tech is a big part of that um, to to um, compared to anywhere else. So it's just it's that education role as well, which is so so important um, in the UAE. To make sure that that grows rapidly that's a really interesting perspective right because we're, we're basically saying that education is great in the uk but action not so much and then and here is the yeah. opposite which is so interesting because that correlates as well to when we went back to the uk before we went to thailand and uh, we spent a bit of time there thanks to lockdowns and whatnot and we struggled to find really healthy places to eat yeah. and to, to yeah. here you can find really healthy foods everywhere. pretty much everywhere in the UK, it was it was shockingly hard. It was. It was extremely like unless you were in central London, finding any good um healthy, healthy cafes breakfast. or healthy breakfast was impossible. It was so so hard. It was like you had a greasy spoon cafe down the road, um, or, or a pub. And that was the, that was the main thing. Is like it's so it's the education is there, the resources are there, but the action is not. And it's yeah, it's just very funny seeing those two kind of opposites. Um, there and the UAE is like you can go to any cafe, any coffee shop, and you'll find good healthy alternatives um, for anything, as well as very very unhealthy alternatives as well. But you options. it's like you're not stuck in. Oh, I've only I've got I've at least I've got um, a, hel a healthy option or an unhealthy option and a slightly less unhealthy option. <laughs> I completely agree. And actually, to that point, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but I, I don't think that wellness here is extortionately expensive whereas in other places in the world wellness is sort of seen a healthy diet healthy ice baths whatever it is it's almost seen as like a, like a luxury you should pay more for this whereas UAE is like you can pay the same if not a bit less because it's healthy it's not quite do you know what I mean what do you think about that yeah it's just like but everything then is expensive in the UAE yeah <laughs> yeah there's a bit, bit more of a higher end um, of everything really but it is but it's, it's supply and demand right so, yeah because it's more heavily available here yeah. people can obviously charge less for it whereas in the uk it's something that isn't as popular so they can charge more yeah, that makes complete sense i don't know why i said it <laughs> um, i want to touch on so on teams, really, because I know you both got backgrounds in, in teams. So, you know, Charlotte, obviously, leading over a thousand people. That's, that's incredible. And I know the work now you're doing, you know, you're, you're touching on the corporate side of things and, and these big high performance teams. What is something that a middle manager or, or someone slightly senior can look at in their team and, and implement as a sort of a daily habit? You know, you've touched on a few things earlier, like meditation and um, you know, grounding that they can do in their own time. But what is something that someone could do 
in an office or if they're a leader to their team to try and to try and catch things before it gets too too far great question so essentially what we're doing is we're bringing corporate wellness and corporate well-being together so the first thing a leader or a manager needs to understand is they're actually two different things right so corporate wellness is the help of the individual and corporate well-being is the help of the business in relation to the individual so they have to start to recognize that actually it's, the onus isn't just on one person. It's a shared responsibility to create systemic and organizational changes. So for a manager that's working with their team on a daily basis to answer your question, I think the most powerful thing they can do outside of the organizational changes that perhaps need to happen is to check in with their staff, give them a safe space where they are able to actually verbalize what they're experiencing and how they're feeling free from judgment. So it's compassionate leadership, essentially. And it's really just having moments to check in and get to know the person as a human being. And I don't mean necessarily like, you know, what's your favorite food, as in how are you today? How's your family? And really actually care about the answer. How are you feeling about your workload right now? You know, and really sharing creating a space where people can share confidently, I think it is, would immediately create a ripple effect and a sense of psychological safety within a work environment. That was the big game changer for me as a manager, um, fitness manager and then going into general manager. Um, I obviously, my, my management style was militant, um, very military, very my way or the highway. To say the least. Yeah, it's basically, yeah, people are scared to work with me. So I got to a point where I knew, okay, I wasn't getting results, but it was very, very hard. Um, and then when I started to change the way I approached management, I started to actually use that approach of just listening to people, asking them questions. Um, things changed so quickly. Like um, staff felt more comfortable. They felt easier talking to me. They felt easier sharing their problems. And they felt, um, and based off of that, they were more productive. They felt more relaxed at work and being able to actually do more. And if they if they felt like they, they couldn't do their job and or they made a mistake, they didn't feel like I was going to potentially take them out the back and shoot them if uh, for a mistake uh, like they used to. So they could, they found it easy to come and speak. They, I've done, this has happened. I made this mistake. And just knowing that they're not going to get berated or they're not going to get like just pulled down for it as well and then they've got they're going to have support from from their line managers um, and i think that that changed things so so much um in the culture and the, and the dynamic of the team and you've got better results and got much better results like financially yeah. you've got 200 of your like kpis yeah i was i was what i was doing numbers that that, that clubs in dubai with double the amount of staff and and three times the amount of um members were doing um, um, we were doing revenue numbers on that scale. Um, and get obviously head office going, oh, what are you doing? Hmm. It's like just, just being human, just being human, like listening to staff and um, get help, helping them feel supported. I think that was the biggest, kind of one of the biggest feedback from that is that um, most employees don't feel supported by management. And when they do, they, they work harder because they know that you've got their back. I completely agree. And I think there's so much power as a manager in compassion and empathy. Whenever I've managed people or a team, it's like you say, creating that baseline where you're talking to them every day. And it's not a check-in as it sounds, you know, it's not, it's not a sit-down meeting every day to say, you know, are you okay? Is your mum okay? It's, it's just having those check-ins when they're having coffee and when they're coming in, just showing an interest in people that then gives so much to them that is intangible, but you then also learn about them and you know them if they're off a bit, if they're too stressed or something's going wrong at home. And like, I, I love that it's creating that baseline. And you also touched on the fact there that, you know, there is, there is a monetary benefit to businesses looking after their staff. You know, a staff attrition in Dubai alone is five or 6% higher than anywhere else in the world. People leave their jobs much quicker here and they look to leave their jobs. I think it's 56% of people look to leave their jobs every year in the UAE. They want to move jobs. Um, so there, there is a monetary benefit. I don't, I, you know, I almost hate to talk about it because I don't think that's the main driving factor. I think touching again on compassion and wanting to look after your staff as, as a main, one of your core pillars of a business and a main journey is, is something that we should be doing anyway to sort of drive the whole country or business, whatever it is, forward. Um, and I, can, I think that's you know, where you guys are helping, right? You're seeing the bigger picture. It's not, just, it's not just about the money. It's about the whole thing of being a human being and trying to look after people. 
Yeah, and it's a, it is like you said there, it's about zooming out and looking from a macro perspective, right, to be able to actually hone in on the issues that are at hand and then into like really integrate the most important changes first for that organisation. Um, it's interesting what you said there is, is um, earlier on when you mentioned there were certain companies or certain people you've spoken to, they're just not interested. I think those kind of organisations, I think they're going to struggle in the future. The future of work has changed drastically. And we have to start waking up to that, I think. So, I mean, it's a tricky one because there's obviously like generational differences and the way obviously in which people like to lead that are obviously playing a factor as well, but also things like technology, the skill sets that people have now, there's there's so much more opportunity. People can earn more money working for themselves than they can working for a company. So to work for a company, it's going to have to be very, very attractive. And well-being is obviously one of the key factors that individuals are looking for because they care about their own wellness. And obviously the younger generations now, it's one of the, the top things, as you say, that they're looking for. It's not necessarily money anymore. Quiet quitting was a massive thing last year because people were saying that they're not, they're not being treated as a person, regardless of what they're being, they're being paid. They want more than that. They want to feel relevant. I think relevancy is a, is a massive thing. Um, I want to touch on, on you guys and, and how you... How you set your environment up for wellness so we you know we're very heavily into how an environment can increase your performance whether it's through wellness or through whatever you're doing how do you guys set up your your living or your working environment to, to benefit your wellness or your well-being well priority number one sleep yeah. <laughs> so no technology in the bedroom no phones and laptops no tvs nothing um the only technology we have in the bedroom is an air purifier um, and that's just to keep the air clean, obviously filter out any pathogens, anything that could be potentially, that could uh, harm our obviously sleep cycles. Um, we also have grounding sheets as well, because we live in a building surrounded by tons of um, Wi-Fi and signals um, that could, again, potentially harmful to the body. We use grounding sheets uh, to sleep on that help us to ground um, and bring down those, any harmful um, EMFs as well. So, um, and obviously trying to keep everything blacked out in the room. <laughs> Completely blackout, no light, limited noise. Um, so sleep is priority number one for us because without that, everything suffers. Our, our mental emotion, our, our, our thoughts, uh, our quality of thinking, our emotions, our, our body, how our body recovers, it all suffers if we don't get sleep. So that is the priority number one for us. Yeah. There's other things like making sure that we have the things that we need that are convenient, like having a machine that remineralizes the water for us so we can literally just grab it and go and not have to worry about anything else from that standpoint. What else do we do? There's loads of things. Uh, we've also grounding mats as well. So if we are watching something or we're working um, on the computer, we stand on the obviously feet on the grounding mat to make sure that we're always connected with the earth, we're grounding. Yep. Um, blue light glasses in the evenings uh, to blue light is to again help promote a healthier sleep pattern uh, plants plants yep yeah. lots of plants purify the air but also to connect with nature uh, what else do we do so there's one thing that um, I do which really really helps and it's not necessarily an environment thing um, but it is synchronising my infradium rhythm which is basically the female 28 day cycle with my lifestyle which is really, really important to understand that actually there are four phases to a, uh, a woman's 28-day cycle, not just menstruation, which everybody's aware of, and ovulation when you're trying for a baby. Essentially, they're the two most common. Actually, as we move through those four phases, it affects our ability to be productive in certain ways. It affects our energy levels. It affects how we um, digest certain foods and what it is we actually need on a hormonal level as well. It affects like the, the way that we train, the way that we move our bodies and the way we look after our, our fitness as well. That plays a massive part. And that's a real, real powerful game changer for anybody that wants, any woman, especially obviously that wants to improve their own wellness. Um, but also there's so many benefits to that in terms of self-esteem, health benefits. Um, yeah, there's just too many to mention. It's so cool. And it's quite inspiring that you guys have, you know, you've learned this much stuff and you've implemented off the back of these pains because I don't know why someone wouldn't want to do this. Like once you've learned about it, you've got education. I don't know why you wouldn't want to benefit yourself. Like if you haven't got yourself and you know some purpose and everything else, almost what's the point? This is such a powerful message. And it always makes me think back to 
you know, in Second World War and in sort of 50s and 60s um, after the war, people didn't realise how bad for you cigarettes were and smoking. And it's only now where we're like, you know, we shouldn't smoke. It's probably not a good thing. I think New Zealand have even said you can't buy a cigarette if you're under 18 now. You'll never be able to buy one. And it's the same with so many things that you're talking about, like the lack of grounding or we don't know what the, de what the detriment of blue light is yet because we haven't had it long enough. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair to say, you know, this is, we're being scared of these things. I think it's just good to understand the benefits in our body. And that some of it is obviously science-backed. Most of it's science-backed. And if not, you can at least feel the benefits, right? And I think it's, it's something that we should all do. I think most people want to do. Is that fair to say? Definitely. And I think I want to pick up on what you said there is um, not everything that is currently uh, we're using has got a, a lot of science to back it up. And I think it's so key for people to realize that just because something isn't backed by science doesn't mean it doesn't work. Because everything that we know works eventually is brand new and no one knew what it was and how it worked uh, and if it worked. So you, it comes back to trusting your body, trusting your own intuition, trusting your own awareness of how you feel. Like whether or not, whether or not it's science-backed doesn't matter. It's how you feel. Does it work for you? And I think that's where it comes key as well is understanding that yes, you can try different things, but you need to you need to have build that connection with yourself, that level of awareness where you can then figure out okay, what I've been doing this for two weeks now. How am I feeling? Is it working for me? Is it not? If it's not, try something different. Okay, don't just rely on oh I've got this. Someone told me to do this. Let's check on Google. How many science documents are there to back this up? None. I'm not going to even try it. And that's what we've always done. Yeah. We try it for ourselves. Before we yeah. give it to anybody, we'll if we've used it for ourselves, we'll obviously tell them our experiences. But otherwise, it's, we give it them the autonomy to make their own choice based on how they feel. I remember when we first got blue light glasses. So we have uh, blue blockers. Some are 100% blue blocking and some of them are 80%. They use them based on the time of day. I remember putting the 100% ones on, the red ones, and um, I suddenly got sleepy, literally within 10 minutes. I'm like, these magic glasses, they're amazing. I need the magic. Um, and was that a placebo? Probably. I don't know. Um, but what I can tell you now, I mean, after using them for years, is that I can see the data. I can see the data. I can see in my body. I can see the, the, the benefits. And there's still a lot of, you know, um, people out doing a lot of research on it. But you have to go, like Jonathan said, and trust yourself, which is why we have to have a daily check-in and why we have to observe what is going on and just start to take maybe a little bit more responsibility than what we have been in the past. I think responsibility is a great point. And I think it's actually a good point to, to raise about discipline because, you know, you, could, you can't do this once a week and it's going to make a difference. You've got to look at it and understand yourself. And it makes you think back to a couple of years ago, uh, Antonio and I were training for a CrossFit competition and we decided to get a nutritionist and you know try and help ourselves feel or, or perform better and we did a 12-week cycle where he helped us with sleep and food and the training was slightly different and I've never felt so good in myself and so fit and so healthy and so happy than in that or towards the end of that 12-week cycle where you've got that discipline to say I'm paying for this so I'm going to do it every day and I think that even helps having a bit of skin in the game and saying this is I'm taking responsibility I'm putting some money down on the table because I believe in this and and basically what I'm saying is the compounding effect is so important of just trusting something, learning from it, making changes, but trusting it for long enough that you can see the, the benefits. I think that's um, that's super powerful. I want to touch on some quick fire thoughts, which I have not really prepped you for. But the first one is, and you can you can do the same one or you can do different ones, is a, a book recommendation, if you will. One each. Please. Okay, so for me, it is called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Oh, I, love I think, that. yeah, anyone, I think that's the number one book anyone should read if you're looking to optimize your health. Um, start with your sleep and read that book. That will change everything for you. Yeah, the, for me, it would be the book In the Flow by Elisa Vitti. It's a must read for any women and it's a must read for any man who works with women or wants to understand women better. Yes. Um, it, it dives into that infradian rhythm that I mentioned earlier, which is a massive game changer when it comes to every area of life. Great book for all husbands to read. Yeah. yeah. I know what's on the uh, it, present list for me, then. I know what I'll be reading next. <laughs> yeah. one, one thing that might interest 
in about that just just to add in just because what else is john actually read that book before me because of the clients that he was working with and one of the things that with the book is you can download an app where you can actually like see what's going on with your um 28 day cycle and the app will actually send john if i track what's going on with me it will send jonathan an email and tell him what was going to be best the best with, uh, approach to, to deal with, with me during this phase exactly so no more yeah, no more clashes anymore ultimate <laughs> <laughs> combination of, uh, of tech and, and putting it all together that's brilliant what what about uh, the next one motivation how do you stay motivated towards this mission for me it's to stay close to the people that we serve it's just staying in their world still understanding still listening still being able to empathize be able to just help them navigate it that for me is the biggest thing yeah um, for me in terms of keeping motivation is just working same working with those types of people who who want the help i think that's that's the key is not trying to change everyone because not everyone's ready or willing is really helping those who really want it and then just getting to for them just get to see how they how they change and those light bulb moments that they come to and realize that they have and always have had the answers they've just forgotten them and our job is just to help them remember that's pretty cool actually so they already they already know what they should be doing they just need some, some discipline some guidance. What, we, what we need to do we just forget okay. we need and the guidance um, the next one I've got for you is, which I think would be quite easy for you, is how often do you take note or make changes or adapt your lifestyle and the things in it um, based on your needs? Ooh, whenever there's an opportunity to optimise. Really? Constantly. Yeah. So everything that we just said about like the things that we do, it's like we didn't just suddenly do them all overnight. It's just yeah. been like, oh, okay, let's try this. Let's try this. It's just built up over time. They're not things we have to consciously do now. We just set up our environment yeah. to actually support the things that we want to do. So if, if we find out there's something that can help us to be even better, then boom, that's the time. <laughs> let's try and see what happens. That's, that's amazing. Because so many people don't do that. So many people just go through life and it, you know, another year goes by and they go, I should have, I should have tried that or, you know, when I, when I walk out of my room, I bump my knee or I'm not sleeping very well, I should change my pillow. They never do it. And it's it's so annoying to see, isn't it? But it's just a bit of responsibility, like you said. I think that's a really good a really good takeaway from this. It's responsibility for yourself. Um, the, the, the last sort of quick one here is, have you got a quote that inspires you? Okay. <laughs> I'll go first then. Okay, so my quote, my quote is, uh, life is an echo. What you send out comes back. What you sow, you reap. What you give, you get. What you see in others exists in you. By Zig Ziglar. Wow. I love that. For a long time. That is energy. What you're, what you're putting out is what you're getting back. If you're not living the life you want and you enjoy, you're putting out the wrong energy. So true. I love that. Term. I've not heard that before, ever. That's incredible. Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar, yeah. There you go. Big boots of Oh, I'm, I'm going to read mine. I don't remember mine like John. It's on our wall over there, so I'm going to read it. So it's a, a, it's a cold young quote, which is, your vision will become clear only when you look into your heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awakens? Wow, they're both incredible. They're quite deep, actually. You could, you could ponder those quite quite well. We do. We do, yeah. <laughs> I could have I guessed that. That's amazing. This is a good one. Um, and you might answer them differently. You might want to mute each other. If you had a full free day, how would you spend it? Oh, well, apart from the, the normal answer with my wife, obviously. Nice. I have to say that because she's right here. Um, uh, for me, full free day is on a beach. We're surrounded by dogs and coffee. That's pretty much it. That's all I need. Freddie's going to join you. Yeah, that that's yeah. <laughs> if I could get paid just to do that, I'd be sorry. <laughs> yeah, big Instagram influencer career kicking off. Kind of thing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Charlotte? Uh, for me, 
location's not so important. As long as I, there's some laughter, there's some connection, um, as long as I can eat my favorite foods and yeah, and be of service in some way, shape or form, then I think that'd be a pretty cool free day. Nice. Two great days. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you have one piece of advice or something that the, the, the listeners now can ponder based on what we've spoken about and all your knowledge? Is there something that people should be thinking about? Oh, I'd, I'd bring it back to the stress awareness pyramid mm -hmm. and checking in as to where are you experiencing your stress? Are you experiencing it in day-to-day -day life and spinning plates, trying chasing your towel, trying to figure things out? Is there something going on in your lifestyle, like yourself, Freddie, where it's like just jet lag is perhaps triggering certain traits that maybe you're, you're not really that fond of right now? Um, or is there something deeper going on? If we're struggling to maintain healthy lifestyle habits, is a clear sign that there is something happening at that root level that needs our attention. So the sooner you do that, the better. Otherwise, you end up stacking up your stress and we end up having these stress explosions in different areas of our lives. And then we kind of feel like we're going backwards and not moving forwards. And that in itself can really affect our mental health and our overall well-being. That's, that's really, really cool. Everyone, I think everyone listening will be able to take something from this that they'll implement very, very quickly. It's uh, it's awesome. What's up next for you guys? How does uh, how does 2023 shape out? What are you working on? Oh, good question. So Jonathan's working on a passion project, aren't you, at the moment? Yes, I am. So something I've always wanted to do, which is opening a luxury health facility um, from scratch. So I've had the opportunity to be brought on board to that project um, alongside what I'm doing here. So that's something I've been wanting to do since I've ever started in the industry. Um, so I've finally got the opportunity to do that, which is awesome. Uh, it's a very different experience trying to do it from scratch and when there's so many different ideas and different ways it can go. So it's it's good fun. Yeah, we're also, with Wellness Theory, we are bringing on a couple of more coaches as well to support us with the community and clients that we work with already. We've got some really exciting projects going on, obviously in the corporate wellbeing space. And yeah, we've also got our first retreat will be happening in October as well and um, so yeah lots going on at the moment it's very exciting times so yeah watch this space yeah is the retreat going to be in the UAE or is it a flyaway it is going to be in the UAE um right now our community are essentially are, are deciding where that's going to be um whether that be Dubai, Elaine, Abu Dhabi or Oman or Ras Al Khaimah. So it'll probably be in one of those locations. Um, it's a lifestyle reset retreat. So essentially that stress awareness pyramid that we just talked about, we're gonna be doing a deep dive into the health area, the lifestyle health pillars, and we'll be helping busy professionals. This is gonna be ladies only uh, for the first one who feel like they need to just hit pause on life right now and just realign and get things back on track. That's amazing. And how can people find you? Where's the best place to find uh, find both of you and the company if they want to follow your journey and what you're up to? Well, there's loads of places where we kind of we have, but the um, easiest place is our website. Um, it's thewellnesstheory.com, um, and that's we, everything is on there. All the information about us, what we do, how to reach out to us, all on there. Yeah. If anybody wants to assess where they are on the stress awareness pyramid, they can go to our website and they will be able to complete a scorecard that will be able to highlight the key areas for them to focus on. They'll get a personalized report and they get access then to um, masterclasses that we host as well, different workshops so they can check into and um, really help them feel a lot healthier and well to hopefully have a more meaningful impact not only on their immediate life but on society around them. Okay, that's amazing well thank you both for coming on it's been absolutely amazing been very insightful an absolute pleasure and all the best for the rest of the year thank you thank, thank you. you thanks for having us freddie <laughs>